Just like I said, we'd be back. This is For the Glory KC. We will bring a mix of in-depth Kansas City soccer knowledge and a more casual perspective. I'm Chad Smith, Associate Editor at KCSoccerJournal.com, who's going to take you a little more in-depth. And I'm joined, as always, by my wife, Mrs. Perfect, Sheena Smith, who will give us that more casual perspective. Oh, Sheena, I saw you grin a little bit. Did you like your (laughs) wrestling nickname? I guess. Whose nickname is that, usually? Well, there's a wrestler, Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning, um, and uh, but I thought it'd be weird to call you Mr. Perfect, so I I feminized it for you. You're welcome. Okay, thanks. How's it going? Uh, I'm okay. Oh, boy. The energy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> on today's podcast, we're going to work on this, Sheena, the intros here. <laughs> on today's episode, Sporting KC's steal one in Minnesota. Alan Polito signs a long-term extension with the club. The KC Current win a sketchy game in San Diego. And, of course, the digital crawl, y'all. But before we get to the show, I've been meaning to, for the last few episodes, give a little shout-out to our our newest and youngest listener, uh, Bennett. He was just born on August 26th, already a big fan Aww. of the pod, I hear. And I uh, just Aww. want to give a shout out to, to Bennett, one of our listeners, had a kid. And hey, that's exciting, right? That Panther. is. Yeah, that's super exciting and very close to my birthday. So another Virgo. Sure. Yeah. I don't know any of the astrological <laughs> signs, but all right, I'll take that. Well, Sheena, we're known for, for nonsense. So do you have any nonsense to start the podcast or should we like actually do the thing that people are here to see or listen to rather? Yeah. I was going to just give a shout out today. Uh, my kiddo and I, I guess our kiddo, you just didn't go with us. We went apple picking in Liberty, Missouri. So if anyone's in the Northland, there is a really cute apple orchard, like two minutes from the square called Taylor Family Orchard. The guy that was there, I don't know if he's the owner of the farm or just a worker, but he was super sweet very knowledgeable. And I learned there is an apple called the Liberty Apple. Have you ever heard of that before? I've not heard of the Liberty Apple. No, ma'am. No, I hadn't either. I thought he was just, there was a sign that said Liberty. I just assumed it's because we were in Liberty, but it's an actual apple that was originated in the 70s. He gave me like a little history, but all I remember now is that it was the 70s. So it was a really cute farm. And it's an, you're just going there to pick apples. It's not like a whole ordeal. It's free. All you're paying for is the apples. And they're not certified organic, but they use the same um, like methods um, that organic farmers use. They just don't have the certification because it's very expensive from what I've heard. So I just want to give them a shout out. It was a really lovely experience. It's a perfect weekend. So it was really fun. We also went to Bark in the Sculpture Park and our little Chihuahua had so much fun. She was living her best life. So yeah. Yeah, I did go to the Bark in the Park thing, but I did not go to the Liberty thing. I didn't question why I wasn't made to go to the Apples. I was just like, hey, if I'm not having to go, then I'll catch up on UFC from Saturday night that I didn't watch because I was watching a lot of soccer. So the questionable call in uh, UFC Noche, the Mexican Independence Day fight night they did. But... I digress. You all are here to hear about soccer. Let's talk about soccer. Sporting Kansas City went on the road. They got their second ever road win of the 2023 season. That's terrible. How many games in the season? (laughs) Yeah, only their second win on the road. And it was it was pretty dodgy, honestly, because uh, I thought they they looked okay. Like the beginning of the game was like a little back and forth, a little wishy washy. And I thought they kind of took over for a good chunk of the first half. But overall, I thought the game was kind of bad uh sheena made a comment to me while we were watching she's like this game is boring and i was like you're not even paying attention you're on your laptop and you're surfing the internet and looking at twitter and stuff hey no there was an element of boredom there i get it it wasn't the most exciting game yeah i had people back in me yeah i did say you know maybe it's my casual perspective that i'm not getting into this game but yeah i was very bored through the first half and People backed me up on that saying it was not that exciting of a game. So I feel vindicated. You know, I thought the first half was actually much better than the second half, despite, I mean, I guess all the big moments happened in the second half, but I thought sporting 
looked like they had it together a little bit more in the first half before it it really went to crap in the second half. So, uh, but then they won because it you know life doesn't make any sense, right? So <laughs> let's get there. I guess the moments, all the big moments, I want to highlight are from the second half. So Minnesota scored a goal that was then taken away for offside. Looked like it was the correct call. Michael Boxel looked to be off. The ref got it live. Got it right live. I think they would have fixed it had it gone to VAR, but it didn't have to because they just got it correct to begin with. The the big moment that kind of stands out to me before the goal was Andre Fontas. He was on a yellow card from early in the game, and then he has this play where he hooks his arm around Emmanuel Reynoso, the best player who was like eviscerating him on the night, it just made him look awful. And he hooks him, and then Reynoso kind of makes a meal of it, and he kind of flops to the ground and falls down, and he's very dramatic about his fall. And the ref, Tori Penso, she doesn't buy it. She doesn't give the yellow. But live, I thought it was a yellow. I put a gif of it on the internet, and it's kind of in slow motion, so I think that, that affects things a little bit. But at full speed, I thought for sure it was a yellow. What did you think, Sheena? I also thought it was going to be a yellow. I was really worried every time Fontas had the ball that he was just going to get another yellow, especially in the half. He was playing very, I felt like, careless considering he had a yellow. I felt like he should be a little more cautious, and he definitely wasn't. There was at least two times I can think of where I thought, oh, my gosh, that could be a yellow. And I think they both are in the second half. Yeah, yeah. Not too long before he does that hook play where he pulls him down, he kind of comes in a little hard on a player and, and banged into him and fouled him. And, you know, I I don't know. It's it's questionable. It could have been a yellow if it had been given as a yellow. I don't think that had a lot of complaint. I asked Peter Vermees about this second situation where he grabs Reynoso after the game. And I, I kind of phrased the question, something to the effect of, I think your team has gotten the short end of the stick on a lot of calls this year, but then maybe on this one, you got the benefit of the doubt for once. And he's like, I disagree with the premise of your question. He, he basically saying he didn't think it was a foul on Fontas, which, you know, Peter, of course, he's unbiased, right? And then he said something to the effect of 15 calls could go our way and we'd still be way behind on bad calls going against us. So uh, he, oh, you know, remember Sheena during the broadcast where the announcers were talking about how in the pregame, Vermees was still complaining to them, like when they did their like pre-match interviews about the Fontas handball from last week, the whole Sergio Busquets thing that led to Miami's game-winning goal. And I was like, man, he's being petty. You gotta, you gotta let it go. Like that gets called all the time in the moment, and that one's on Fontas to not to rehash that whole conversation from last week. But yeah, Peter it didn't seems agree so- with us. It seems weird he would bring this up with a new set of referees like they weren't there last week like what would be the what would like what is the benefit of him tell, like still complaining to the refs about something another crew made yeah. No, no, not about the refs. He was complaining to the announcers, like when they were, they do like. Oh, the so announcers. When, okay, sorry. Yeah, did I say refs? If I said refs, I, I may to. have just heard refs. I don't know. You know, do you remember like an episode or two ago where you're like insisting that you said something that you, you're like, I said this <laughs> other thing. I went back and listened and I had heard it right. So you, you give okay. me no credit for listening to you. But anyways, I digress. So maybe I'm wrong this time and we can, somebody can know. tell me that I was wrong or you can tell you, me when you edit. You can. <laughs> probably tell yourself when you listen back to it that's true if i remember so thinking about this situation though so if if you've ever uh, kind of seen like the lead up to a game the announcers of the game typically get to talk to both teams coaches sometimes they get to talk to some players as they're kind of doing prep work so this must have come up during that conversation because they were mentioning it as the game was going on which i thought was kind of silly but uh when i was talking to peter about this he even stopped to give an example of a time where she made a bad call in this game and actually agreed with him do you remember there was a moment where sporting had committed a foul kind of late in the game the ref blows for the foul and then Minnesota picks up the ball and restarts quickly, but it's like 10 yards further down the field. And I was like, well, they shouldn't allow that to go on, but they did. And luckily sporting snuffed out the attack and nothing came of it. But Peter specifically cited that moment. He's always feeling like he's getting the raw deal, which I do think sometimes because he is who he is, he complains, he yells at the fourth official that maybe he has a reputation, right? And he doesn't get the calls or doesn't like things don't always go the way they should. And maybe a little bit of it because they're sick of him versus a lot of these other coaches. I mean, nobody's as tenured as him. He's by far the most tenured coach in the entire league. So maybe that works against him sometimes. Maybe. I don't remember that. 
that missed call you are referring to? Oh, I haven't told you about it in the moment. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about the, the goal itself. And so actually, you know what, let's talk about that Fontis situation. So the Fontis thing, he grabs the guy. I think it's going to be a yellow. I think he's going to get a second yellow red. He's going to leave. Then it's just not very long after that where Sporting gets their goal. A really, really beautiful switch pass from Roger Espinoza. Gotti kind of takes a perfect first touch. He kind of takes it like off his knee, thigh, and like controls it beautifully. The, he beats the defender. The defender actually reaches out to grab him, but it would have been a penalty kick. So he like pulls back, like, I'm not grabbing him. And then he beats another defender and kind of actually doesn't hit the shot that well. It goes really close to the goalkeeper, but the keeper does not make the save, Dane, Dane St. Clair. And uh, I called it a smash and grab. Sporting, I don't feel like they deserve to win, but they did win and they found a way to get their their one goal what did you think of the goal the 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 game whatever you want to talk about i would say that they were playing really slow it was like you said it was a kind of a boring game in the second half as well and where i felt frustration was that if it seemed like most of the team was exhausted except for Remy, who was just all over the field. There was one play where he ran back so fast on defense. Like I was just like, whoa. But Ndembe was the other one where I felt like he was hustling. But it, I didn't really feel like anyone else was going out of their way. So the fact that we scored was honestly surprising because I don't know that they deserve to uh, have a goal and Minnesota had so many chances to score and nothing was going their way. So after we scored our goal, the, the, uh, audience, the crowd, I should say was just dead silent. And I, I would have expected booze, honestly, instead of silence, but it was a good goal, but kind of unexpected. Yeah, for sure. Good to have Gotti Kinda back too. Uh, you know, actually, that brings me to a point I was going to talk about later in the podcast, but it feels like it fits right here because Kinda gets this game-winning goal. Remember last week's episode, we talked about how, hey, what's going to happen with this fallout with him going to the Is Israeli national team and Peter clearly didn't want him to go and there was all this controversy. Uh, our buddy Daniel Sperry over at the KC Star said he talked to Vermees after the game and Vermees said he, that he had talked with Gadi Kinda when he got back from Israel and told him that everything that happened in regards to his travel to Israel was behind them and just wanted him to give it his all. And man, did he ever. Came on in like the 70th minute, give or take, and got the game-winning goal in like the 84th minute. So big return from Gadi Kinda. He's an important part of this team and that worked out really well, even if uh, Sporting probably didn't deserve it. Expected goals on the night, 0.8. For sporting, which most of that has to come from the Kinda play. Actually, they had almost no expected goals until that moment. He shot from so close inside the box. It was such a high percentage chance. And then 1.3 for Minnesota. So Minnesota didn't finish their chances and sporting did. Well, actually, that brings me to a good point. Do you remember the moment where it looked like for sure Minnesota was going to score and Tim Melia, I don't even know how, but somehow got back over and made that save? That was a crazy play. He had a couple really crazy saves last night. There actually was a goal, but it got taken back for, I think, being offside. So. Yeah, we already talked about that literally on this episode yeah. of podcast, you know? Sorry. <laughs> the look on I'm... your face. You're having Sorry. a day. It's been a, it's been a day. So, um, but yeah, I, I my buddy Mike Kuhn, my colleague over at the KC Soccer Journal, he put this still image of the ball being passed to the center of the box. Amelia so far out of goal. And he somehow gets back over and saves Timu Puki's shot. So really big one. Jake Davis had a good save, kind of an accidental save. Remember, it went off his head and, and caromed over the crossbar for a corner kick. Weird play. Min Minnesota just weren't clinical with their chances, and Sporting got one good chance, and they finished it. And that was the Jake difference in the game. Jake Davis, that, that accidental save that caused the ball to go over the net was kind of luck because they were saying on the broadcast that had they scored, he would have kept them on side. So it, it yeah, yeah. was a luck, I guess, that it went in our favor and not against us. Yeah, him and Rosero was actually kind of like in an awkward position too. He might have helped keep the players on side. So luckily... 
Davis was where he needed to be, though, when the shot went. And honestly, on the really big save from Melia, I thought Davis might have stopped that one, too. He was on the line. I think he might have been able to get to it if Melia doesn't get to it on the dive. So kudos to Jake Davis overall. Another good game, kind of bouncing back from a tougher performance from him last week. He's been so solid. I just... It, it goes to show what happens when you give these young guys opportunities. And it's a shame that Peter and his staff don't seem to recognize this. And the opportunities only seem to come on accident, right? It's just because Zussi got hurt, just because Cam Duke, who tried to sub in for him, was garbage, just because Caden Pierre was hurt. He was like the fourth option at right back. And I'm I'm not sure if he's not the right back for years to come. You know, he, he looks like he's really settling in and he's figuring out the position and he works really hard and you need you need to have spots on the field where you can pay guys less money. No offense to Jake. I hope he gets a nice raise when his contract is up. But that you can bring these guys in that are homegrown or younger players and they can come in and take valuable minutes so you could spend your money on the more critical parts of the field. You've got to be able to get away with some cheaper players here or there. I hope that if he does stay on the team or just well, hopefully as we continue to see him in more games, some of the other players have more trust in him because we've talked about this several times throughout the season where he's completely open and instead somebody will make a shot, like pass it to somebody who has like two or three guys that are um, being covered. So I hope that as he gains more experience, some of the other players on the team will pass to him more. You know, I think the somebody you're referring to is Danny Rosero. He put himself in a bad spot again last night, not making the easy outlet to Davis. He played himself into the corner. He'll play back to Milia, play across to Fontes, play into the D-mid, which was Rodoya uh, in this game. And I, it's like he doesn't trust Jake. Honestly, what it seems like to me is that Sporting wants to play up the left-hand side. And even when it's crowded over there, they try to force the ball up the left because that's where they have a lot of their attacking talent. Like They want to kind of shift left Tommy, shallowy. Polito likes to drop in over there when Leibold's playing over there. He's a really good attacking left back. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they don't trust him. A uh, little Jake Davis contract information for you. So he's technically at a contract at the end of the year, but they have an option for him for 2024. So obviously they're going to pick up that option. It would be insane not to. He's been playing fantastic. And then maybe he'll be doing a nice race after 2024 if he keeps you know, doing what he's doing. So I did have a, a couple of things I was kind of questioning on the night. And the main one for me, as it often is with Peter and his staff, is the substitutions. So they made four subs over three windows. Gotti Kid the first. Obviously, that worked really well for Eric Tommy. Tim Leibold for Logan and Dende. And I thought Ndende played good before he got taken off. But Leibold does add something in the attack. And this was before the goal. Actually, all the subs were before the goal. And then I was like, dang it. You only have one sub window left, and you have three more subs you can do. And you know Vermees not going to make a triple sub. He did make a double sub, to his credit. He brought on Espinosa and Shelton. There was a lot of like sarcastic tweets of, oh, the game is saved. We put on Shelton and Espinosa. And then Espinosa did what he's very capable of doing and delivered a dime of an assist. He, he really, his passing the last few years has been so good. He's kind of made up for his inability to run and play as physical. But... My my complaint would be, one, they came way too late. They were having a hard time for a long time. And I don't know why we weren't going to the bench earlier, especially because Sporting play again on Wednesday on short rest against Nashville. And Nashville didn't play on the weekend. So you're going to be tired. And you know Peter's going to start almost all the same 11, if not the exact same 11. So get some of those guys a rest. And my second complaint would be, where the heck is Willie Agata? I mean, he scored in the League's Cup on his first sub appearance. Let's get him some minutes. Let's get Polito some rest. He's going to be on this team till he's almost 36 years old. Like, we don't run the man into the ground. You just sign him to a massive new contract. What did what you think about the subbing, Sheena? I also was upset with the lack of subs because in the second half, we didn't have any mojo, I'm going to say. So it's... It wasn't like we had good rhythm, and I know Peter Vermees doesn't like to break it up when things look good, but nothing looked good about that game except the one goal we had, but it felt like he should have been making subs, and I think the announcers even were like around the 60th minute, like, 
it's time to put some subs in for Sporting Kansas City. And then I don't think they did until almost the 70th or maybe after the 70th minute. So it just, it was weird the way they used it, considering we have to play again on Wednesday. And we never, so far this year, we haven't done great. We've done okay on a three game stretch, but we don't do great because we just run the same guys into the ground. And it's like, yeah, Willie Agata would have been great to see Felipe Hernandez. He didn't even travel with the team. So, or Felipe Gutierrez, I mean, yeah, Gutierrez, he didn't travel with the team. So, um, I don't know. I have a lot of questions. Like, why did we not switch, make bigger subs? Like, Johnny Russell could probably use a break. I'm glad Eric Tommy came out, but it's like, I don't know. I just, it, to me, it felt like a weird usage of subs considering we're playing yeah. again on Wednesday. It felt pretty typical to me for, for Peter and company, honestly, but yeah, it's, it's poor planning and that'll be a good test. We don't usually preview the next game because I haven't done any research on the Nashville game yet, really. Uh, we know that Nashville has the leading scorer in the league in Hani Mukhtar, that he's the reigning MVP. They're one of the best teams in the league. And now you're going to have a tough game against them where they're coming in fresh and you're, you're not rested. So we'll see. I don't know if you remember before this whole long stretch of games came up to end the season, I was saying they should maybe take that one for granted and not push super hard on that one and try to win games on the both weekend ones and then put out like maybe what Peter would consider a subpar lineup and, and try to fight for a, you know, you might steal a game, but really go for it on the weekends. I'm sure that's not what he's going to do. I'm sure he's going to run out most of the same 11 starters and grind them into dust and then play them again on the following Saturday. And um, obviously, I don't think that's a good recipe for success. It hasn't worked very well so far this year. So we'll see. Is the game next Saturday, is that against St. Louis again? Uh, No, it's the... Dynamo, I believe. It's back-to-back home games for Sporting KC, so they at least they don't have okay. to travel. Okay. Yes, it is the Dynamo. So they have Wednesday and Saturday, both at Children's Mercy Park. So if you want to go see them, those are two of your last chances this year, unless they make the playoffs. Oh my goodness. And then they won't be at home again until Decision Day, October 21st after the international break. Speaking of the playoffs, Sheena, I know this is crazy to hear, but Sporting are technically back above the playoff line. They are in ninth place that. right now. Yeah, they are tied with Dallas, who both have 35 points. They uh, Dallas has two games in hand, though. So Dallas has played two less games than them. So that would require Dallas to lose both of those games, which it could happen. They're playing a much more congested schedule down the stretch, having to squeeze in all these games. They're just two points behind Minnesota United, who they just defeated. So that's why they call those six-point games. You stole their ability to get three points, and you got three points yourself. They have Minnesota on decision day. That could be... That could be the deciding game. I mean, they need to win a lot of games to get into the playoffs. I was feeling pretty down last week after the Miami game. And then one of the writers over at The Athletic, Jeff Reuter, he did this bit where he he basically said you need about 43, maybe 44 points to be the ninth place team in the Western Conference. And to get to that, Sporting just had to win four of their last six. So they've already won one of them. They just need to win three of their last five. So they could technically lose two more times and maybe sneak into the playoffs. That's insane. That seems like a bad recipe. But what's different about Sporting Kansas City and Major League Soccer versus like the NWSL and the KC Current is that there are so many teams and there's a higher percentage of those teams are getting into the playoffs. So because of that, you things will go right for you versus in the NWSL. Some of it is just bound to go against you because you're chasing so many more teams versus in MLS the higher percentage getting in just the math works out in your favor like they can't all win right they can't all win because they're playing each other and whatnot they might have some draws which if you win and they get a draw you're gaining two points so yeah the current don't uh, have a little bit of a rougher road to go sheena any other thoughts about the sporting kc minnesota united uh boredom fest where they stole three points <laughs> yeah it was pretty boring uh i'm glad to see they won i'm not sure it was deserved but i mean it is what it is, and I'll take the three points. And Wednesday's game will be interesting. Are you going to that game? Always. I assume I'm allowed to, yeah. Well, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I should probably apply for credentials. I'll get that sorted mm-hmm. out. So um, one kind of good thought here. You said they maybe they didn't deserve it. 
I had that same thought. But think about all the times this year where it felt like they deserved a better result and they didn't get it. Something went against them. So maybe it's leveling out a little bit, you know, maybe a little bit of balancing here at the end and they'll get some points back. They're they're making it interesting, at least, right? At least it's not there's not nothing to play for. If they get into the playoffs, though, I won't lie, I'm I'm a little nervous because they'll be a road team. This was only their second ever road win, which means they'd have to again win on the road. I mean, basically all the way through the playoffs, they'd have to win on the road. That seems unlikely. They'd be playing on short rest if they play in the play-in game, and then that short rest until you get to the three-game series against the one seed, which right now would be St. Louis. And St. Louis has played sporting really hard, so we'll see. They meet them one more time this year. Hopefully they for sure one more time, uh, maybe a lot more times, depending on how how the playoff seating plays out and if uh, sporting make it above the red line and get in. It feels like if MLS had any control over this, they would want that matchup, another sporting versus uh, St. Louis just because of the rivalry. Oh, but that does remind me in the broadcast last night, the announcers kept talking about how it didn't feel like there was a rivalry between these two teams. and Because there's not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like they couldn't let it go for a while there. They just kept bringing it up. How I don't see. I don't understand how this is a rivalry. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's uh, trying to make a rivalry based on geography, but these two cities don't hate each other. And I can't remember if I told this story on the podcast, but the reason they call it the friendliest rivalry in sports is because the girl that used to run social media for Sporting KC, she just jokingly tweeted at one time. And then she's like, I have deep regrets about this joke I made in my effort to fill social media content. <laughs> so it's not a rivalry. Minnesota is not Sporting's rival and uh, Sporting beat them twice already this year. So I probably mentioned it during the last time they played this season. So go Sporting. Go Sporting. All right, Gina. Let's take a break, and we'll be back with more For the Glory, Casey. And we are back. All right. So the next bit of news here, we alluded to it in the first segment, is the major player announcement that Sporting KC teased this week. Uh, as soon as they teased it, I was like, this is definitely just Polito re-signing his contract. And that is exactly what it was. Alan Polito signed a new three-year deal. The rumor had been two years, so a three-year contract. All it says in the press release is that it is a designated player contract. So I didn't pull the number up in front of me, but it's around $1.7 million. You have to be paid more than that to be a designated player. Since there's no transfer fee, he was already on the team. The rumor had been $4.4 million per season. We talked about that a few episodes ago when that, those rumors started coming out. So let's kind of talk about it. He's 32 years old right now. He'll be 33 right around the start of the next season, which means by the end of this deal, he'll be 35, pushing 36, like heading towards 36. Three-year contract. What are your initial thoughts, Sheena, on Mr. Polito and his re-signing? I felt like when they said there was a player announcement, it maybe it's just because I kept seeing it everywhere on Twitter. I was like, man, this is overhyped, considering I think we all knew it was going to be Polito. They should have just announced it right then and there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm fine with him being re-signed to the team. Do I think three years is a little long considering his age? I do. It would have been cool with two years and then an option for like a pickup for a third year. But yeah, I guess we'll see. One comment you made last night during the game is that he's slow. So, I mean, imagine in three years, like, will he still be slow? Will he be slower? I I don't know. It's just the three-year part because I think he'll be like 35 when he's done. So just seems... I don't know. I, I thought three, that was my initial reaction to you. Three is too long. You, you never know. It, it's true. It'll all be judged based on how it plays out. If he is healthy and he keeps performing, it'll, they'll look like geniuses because it is hard to find a number nine, a striker. And Vermees in the, the press conference where they announced Polito, he even talked about that, how they had been searching for a striker for years before they found Polito. So, and he does seem to be a perfect fit for the system that Vermees wants to play. If Vermees keeps being the coach and doesn't get himself fired because of, you know, underperforming or his old players he keeps signing get hurt. Um, I want to give a shout out to my colleague, Josh Wallace. That's actually where I got that idea. He said, 
his style, Polito's style, may age well because it's not based on him being athletic. And if you've noticed this year, there have been chances where they're on breakaways, but Polito just gets caught because he's not very fast. But his style is based more on like positioning and movement, and he does work hard, which that can, you know, father time can catch up with you and you can you can, you can can lose a step. But he's a workout monster. He came back from this injury that a lot of guys have not come back from. This is the same injury that uh, Felipe Gutierrez had that he missed a whole season and Sporting ended up not bringing him back until this year where they brought him back. Uh, the same injury that Gotti Kinda has been dealing with and Gotti Kinda's still not really been healthy. Uh, same injury that Jimmy Madronda had. Madronda's never really quite been the same since he had the injury. So a lot of guys picking up this weird specific injury in Kansas City. I don't know what that's about. But um, I think that could be a good sign, right? There are these guys that keep scoring goals late in their career because they're not just running past people because that's going to go away at some point you speed is you know it's not forever so at least he's not fast i mean i say he's not fast i'm sure he's like 10 times as fast as i am but <laughs> you know i'm yeah. also not a professional athlete and uh, uh you should see my mile times on the treadmill they're awful let's not share them with anybody i don't know them so i can't share them thank goodness let me go clear them off there from the last <laughs> run i did <laughs> i was gonna say too when i don't know if I guess the press conference that Polito had, one of the things I I really liked about what he said is that he loves Kansas City. He loves the people here and playing here. So to me, I like that. I like when players like being here because it shows a commitment, kind of like Patrick Mahomes, which by the way is his birthday today. So happy birthday, Patrick Mahomes. But I feel like he's deeply rooted in this city just based on all those Whataburgers he's opened or been in affiliation with. But I feel like he is the type of person that like likes being here, wants to spend his whole career here. And this signing is an indication that Polito's probably going to end his career here as well. Yeah. It would seem like it. And I agree. I like that as well. He was talking about how life is just different here than Mexico. He did say it's a little cold here. And Vermeer's <laughs> like kind of laughed when he said that. Um, he was talking about just in general how, like, you know, in Mexico, he's a superstar, right? He's been on the yeah. national team and he's kind of hounded everywhere he goes. I even saw this at the first preseason where he was there. There was all these people at preseason all of a sudden just trying to get his autograph. And there's still an element of that going on. But he he gets to be like, a regular person here and he was talking about that and he how he likes his life here and i think that goes a long way Burmese told a really good story that i liked from the press conference about when polito first arrived he said within a few days of him being there he knew that he had gotten the right player and that he was the right fit for the team and a story he told is sometimes in practice they do these things called small-sided games where you know, it's some sort of competition and it's like broken into four teams and the team that wins does no running. The team that gets second does some running, third, more running, fourth, the most running. And Polito's team won the small side, like one of the first small sided games he ever played in. And he went and ran with the losing team. He did the most running, even though he didn't have to. He could have done no running because he won. And he's like, yeah, this guy's a leader. He's playing the game right. He's doing the right things. He... He has this, he looks like, because he's got fast cars and crazy outfits, that he'd be a prima donna, and maybe he's got elements of that in his life, but he's a hard worker when it comes down to it, and he practices hard, he worked hard to come back from his injury, and it's all about staying healthy. If he can stay healthy and be productive, they'll look like geniuses. So I got a couple questions for you, Gina. What do you think about the opportunity cost of not going younger? What I mean is... They could have gone out, like if Polito leaves the team after the season, he's no longer a designated player. They could have gone out and spent literally unlimited amounts of money to go find a young Alan Polito, you know, somebody who's got that same skill set, but is way younger. And you can develop him and maybe sell him on for more money, or he could be your starter for the next five or 10 years versus, you know, two or three years, whatever that looks like. Do you, do you think that the team will have any regrets for getting just another year older at a lot of their positions? I think that if Polito continues playing the way he is, I don't think they'll have regrets about it. I think that if they hadn't re-signed him, there would be a 
percentage of fans who would be upset by the fact he didn't get re-signed, which is funny because at the beginning of the season, that same percentage probably didn't want him back on the team. I know I was a Polito uh, hater at the beginning of the season because he wasn't playing. And I, I feel like I was defending him. Was I defending him? That seems like uh, something I would have done. I don't remember, but I know I wasn't. And I can admit when I'm wrong and I was wrong there. I think it was just frustrating because we were on it on that losing streak, that 10 game losing streak. And I don't think he was in any oh, of those didn't 10 lose games. All 10 games. Uh, okay. actually, he might have been when- back before those were over, but he wasn't himself yet for sure. And actually, speaking of, Vermees said he's only at 90% right now. He's still not himself. That's crazy, yeah, right? Because he's like the best striker is- in the league. So he's not, he's one of the, he's up for the golden boot. Right. But striker, I mean, as in the, the, his position, like, so Hani Mutar, who is leading the golden boot is not really a striker. He kind of plays, he plays a different position. He's more of an attacking fielder type guy. So uh, I just assume they were all strikers. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times like, uh, Giamakis from Atlanta, he does play center forward, but he's played a lot more minutes than Allen is last I looked. So I should double check my numbers there, but regardless, he, yeah, one of the best we'll all concede. I'll go to your version of the answer. One of the best. Okay. Well, but yeah, just to end this question, I think they'll only regret not going younger if Polito gets injured. So I kind of think that the, the the main problem with this team over the last few years has been that they just keep getting older, right? They're they're older and they're more injury prone because the older you get, the easier it is for you to break down. And that could be part of the reason why these guys get hurt all the time. And I, I just think that I would like to see Sporting go younger. So if they go old here, which they've done it, it's over, Polito is signed, then they can't go old everywhere else. Somebody's got to go. And that might be like, John. I mentioned this the other day, Johnny Russell, that's going to break people's heart. But like he can, his contract can be declined after the season. His option can be declined. He's getting older. He's missed a lot of time this year. I mean, he's a freaking warrior, man. He goes and plays through a lot of injuries, but he's not himself. He's only scored a few goals this year. He's not having the productivity that he had a couple of years ago when he was really good. He's had two down years in a row and the team's had two down years in a row. You've got to go younger somewhere else. And I honestly think this team needs some speed because there's really nobody on the field, maybe Agata, but he doesn't get on very often. That is like blazingly quick. Shelton, I guess, but you know, Remy. we beat that poor guy up. I don't I don't know that Remy's that fast. He's not a forward. He's not up there like oh. making the runs that a forward would be making. I'm, okay. I'm really kind of thinking of Shallowy, Russell, Polito, those guys, right? The, the guys that play on the forward line. And I think that there's an element of they turn the ball over really well. They do a good job of getting turnovers from the other team, but they're not really fast enough to take advantage of it. I'm not saying Daniel's slow or Johnny's slow, but they're not like world beating fast. Like some of these teams have some guys that just blaze by you and speed. It's not everything, but it's an asset. It can change things. It can pull defenses apart. And maybe if they go young, they could get a speedy right winger and replace Johnny. Oh, that seems so mean. I feel bad just saying it. Maybe Johnny will come back and play for less money. Maybe he loves Kansas City too. Maybe. I think that you're right though. If, well, I mean, polito has been signed, like you said. So I do think maybe a fault of Vermees is that it's hard to part ways with fan favorites. So I think that's part of the reason some of these players like Zussi and Espinoza keep getting signed it's i could easily see that would be a reason why russell would get re-signed is that he's a fan favorite and if you remember a couple seasons ago when they they let Ilya go people were upset and so it's it's a tough decision it's not one i would want to make i i would like johnny to be on the team but i would like them to find somebody younger and faster and i not saying he needs to do what Espinoza does, but he needs to be working down that path of being in the game less. And I feel like to do that, you would have to take a cut. And who knows if he's willing to do that or he wants to do that. Maybe he thinks he still has a few more years in him. I don't know, but... Yeah, and you would think like, he could go back to Scotland or maybe yeah. even lower a couple of divisions down in England. He was in the championship, the second tier, and get 
a decent amount of money still. Like somebody probably still pay him something. Uh, you know, he's Scottish. If he came home to Scotland, I think there's probably money laying around somewhere for him. So unless he really loves Kansas City, that'd be a, a tough ask. And even then, do do you want that? Because if you look at the other forwards on the team, you've got Daniel Shallowy locked up long term, Polito locked up long term. You got Marinos Johnny's, who is guaranteed through at least next season. He has an option for twenty five. Let's not even talk about how long Kyrie Shelton signed for <laughs> years, forever, like an eternity. Yeah. And so, so your whole four, everybody that ever plays forward on this team is basically locked up long term. Besides Agata, who they can. I'm almost positive they're going to trigger his contract option. Why wouldn't you? And Stephen Afrifa, who they may or may not keep. We haven't really gotten to see much of him, even with the twos. He's been, I think he's been banged up a little bit. He had an injury, but he was on the bench last night. So, you know, it's possible. But I don't know. Like, you don't, there's no heir apparent there unless you clear some money because there's not an infinite amount of money to spend because of the rules of MLS and the salary budget. Are you just going to run it back with everybody being a year older? I don't, I don't love that idea. I also wonder how it has to be if you're Johnny Russell, knowing every all the other forwards on the team have a long term deal except for you. Like that has to be kind of unnerving for him in this like last year of his contract, knowing that. Well, to me, I'd be like, I can't believe Kyrie got a million year extension, and I didn't. <laughs> like, a, mil- a million years, yeah. Well, I mean, it feels contract, that way, too. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, guaranteed through 2025 for Kyrie. So two more years of Kyrie guaranteed and an option for 26. But it's crazy. Not that the team would ever do this. They have the option to buy out one player every year. They did use their buyouts this year. Remember, they did a buyout on Uri Rosel, and they yeah. also just cut Ben Sweat, even though they didn't have another buyout left. They just ate that salary and. He was he was worth more not being on the team than being on the team, so which crazy. I agree. He he wasn't he wasn't good. Um, yeah. So my other thing about this Plato signing, and I want to kind of get your thoughts are, what's the impact on Willie Gata? Today's his twenty fourth birthday. Happy birthday, Willie! He just oh, turned twenty four. Oh, him yeah, and Patrick and- Mahomes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The parallels, right? And I told you about that rumor last week that I can't substantiate that he was supposedly offered, you know, a decent million plus to buy Agata and who they got for either free or a really low fee. I can't remember. It was nominal if they paid a fee at all. And now he's his contract, even his options only run as far as Polito's new, and not even as far as Polito's new contract, his options only run through 2025. So he doesn't have a clear path to the field unless they're playing those two together, which is a possibility. What is the question? How do I feel about that? Yeah. I mean, how does Willie, <laughs> what's, what's the situation for Willie? Like, what, what are you feeling if you're Willie Agata? You're 24 years old. You probably thought you were the future striker of this team. And now you've just been told you're probably the backup or, you know, maybe you guys play together sometimes. I think it would be tough if you know that if you thought you might be the future, maybe he, maybe it was told to him that he's not the future. You know, we don't know what was being said behind closed doors, but yeah, I think it would be tough if you're looking for a starting position, which I would assume every soccer player or any, any athlete in any sport wants to be a starter. So I feel like this is a little crushing if you're Willie Agata and I don't know I don't have any answer for you. I don't know. 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 Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I want to first. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go uh, ahead. I want to first interject and say my dream is to be a backup quarterback because you get to <laughs> like go to practice and, but you don't get hit as much and you still can get millions and millions of dollars. Backup quarterbacks are paid really well. And just hopefully behind a guy that's super healthy and you never have to play. That sounds like the dream. Do you remember Chase Daniels a few years ago? He was yeah. a Mizzou quarterback. And then he, yeah. uh, by the way, Way to go, Mizzou. Big win yeah, over K-State this crazy weekend. Crazy last game. Uh, oh or last gosh, few minutes. Right? The thicker kicker there coming through here. <laughs> Anyways, I, I digress. I digress. Uh, back to Willie Agata. I'm, I'm kind of thinking like hopefully the, the plan for him is that he keeps coming on. He gets minutes either with Polito or in, in subs, you know, subs in for Polito. 
scores a bunch of goals, and then they can sell him for millions of dollars. Because like we talked about last week, there is a plethora of guys on SKC2 that I could see coming up and being the backup striker. You got Pal Vidal, who's like kind of your bigger body, not as fast. Alenis Vargas, who's really, really fast, actually, as a winger, but has played some center forward, too, and done pretty well there. Pacey, athletic, long, rangy player. And then you've got Stephen Afrifa, who we don't even know what we have in Afrifa because we, you know, his injuries and his time away at college has kind of screwed up his rookie season here. He joined so late. But I think I'd be okay with Willie being sold for a bunch of money, that money being reinvested in the team. And then you've got these other young guys on SKC2 that you can bring up or Afrifa or whatever that ends up looking like. So well, I, I don't feel know, like the, but- the problem is, is that. Whoever, if you do bring someone up from SKC2, they're probably never going to get the minutes because Vermees would use Shelton as the striker if Polito couldn't play over an SKC2 player. I don't think he would because he used to do I that. Do. And then, la- He's done it this though. season. He's done it this season. <sighs> but when Agata was out and he could have well, gone to a Agata free fall. Yeah, that's fair. He could have gone to a free throw. Maybe a free throw wasn't ready. That's okay. I'll give you that. I I don't think he's as likely to go to Shelton. God, I hope he just buys Shelton out and we can be done with this conversation. Shelton has something on him just to (laughs) do a conspiracy, a soccer conspiracy for the week. Take a shot, everybody. Sheena pitched a conspiracy theory. Anytime Sheena mentions a player's hair, soccer conspiracy theories, or <laughs> a player's underwear, we've now found out uh, you have to take a shot. So try not to get too drunk while listening to For the Glory, Casey. Well, I'm just saying there there has to be something that Shelton has on Vermees because the contract makes no sense. I think Peter has realized, yeah, I agree. It does make sense. But I think he's realized Shelton's not a striker. He even said it like he kind of pumped him up last year in 2022 that he was a striker. And then he said this year, well, he's back where he should be playing. He's playing right wing and he's almost exclusively played right wing. He's even subbed him on at times and pushed Johnny to left wing to let Kyrie be on the right, which I I don't know. Like, that's interesting. But yeah, let's I kind of move on from him. I feel like for the kind of contract he got, he should be able to play more than just one position and play that like several positions decent instead of just Johnny's position and having to move Johnny to the left side. Like that's crazy. We're now making our our prime right back go to left back, right winger, right winger rather. Yeah, just because of Shelton, I I don't get it. I don't get the love fest that pv has for him yeah no i'm with you okay let's save some of this for our off-season podcast because we're gonna have a lot of time to talk about it hopefully less time than we think because sporting is gonna sneak into the playoffs and make a deep playoff run and give us a lot more soccer to talk about but let's switch gears let's talk about the kansas city current i don't have a ton on this game we missed like the first 25 ish minutes because we were still watching the sporting kc game and of course, that's when all the goals happened. So the Casey Kurt were up 2 nothing before we started watching. We did go back and see the goals from Dabinia and that second goal from Kristen Hamilton. So first off, the Dabinia goal was beautiful. Well hit, third minute. They did a beautiful choreographed dance after she scored. It was amazing. But that second goal, what a team goal. Just great passing. After the game, what was it, Hamilton or Kaiser? Somebody was saying, oh, they're, we're joking that they're like Barcelona because they're passing the ball around so beautifully to lead to that goal. So they get up 2 nothing. Then, of course, we tune in. And everything starts going wrong because there are two really questionable non-penalty calls for the current. I thought for sure they're going to get a penalty. Uh, The first one is Stina Balasager. She gets her first start ever, and she absolutely obliterates Alex Morgan. Like, I don't know how in the world this is not a penalty. I made a a video of it and put it on my Twitter account. I'll have to put it into this story so you all can see it if you you go look at the show notes of the pod, at least. She cleans out Alex. Uh, This tweet actually has been retweeted. Holy crap. 76 retweets, 315 likes. Um, It's got 60,000 views. That's, That's weird. That's crazy. She kills her. Uh, they look at it for a bit. The ref never even gets called to the monitor. Somehow it's not a penalty. She crushes Alex Morgan. What did you think, Shannon? Did you think it was a penalty? 
I did. I think this is right when I tuned in because you were doing the press conference with Peter Vermees and company after the sporting game. So we switched it over and the play had just happened and Alex was on the ground. And then I thought they were going to review and he didn't get called. I definitely thought it should have been a PK. And then the fact that there was another play that didn't get called for a PK also, like Casey Curran got very lucky, I feel like, in this game. Yeah, I agree. So I thought that was for sure a penalty. And then the other player you're alluding to is there's a, a shot taken, like a header, and it goes, it looks like it kind of goes off Kate Del Fava's arm, and she is the last player. So I tweeted, because I'm like literally in the press conference while I'm watching this game on mute on my second monitor, and I tweeted, I think Del Fava's going to get a red card. Like, I think it's going to be a penalty and a red, and they review it for a long time. I went back and looked at it a lot closer after the game, because they don't call a penalty. They don't give any cards. Nothing happens. It just gets to be a corner kick. And I think what it comes down to is something we've complained about on this show all season is that you just can't tell. The replay angles kind of suck. There's the angle that's got like the good high def camera is obstructed because like the ball's on the other side of Del Fava. There's this high angle camera. Somebody made a joke. It looked like an iPhone one level quality (laughs) camera from behind the goal. And it does. It was like blurry and fuzzy and zoomed way out. You couldn't tell what's happening. It may hit like her her chest shoulder before it hits her arm. It definitely hits her arm, but you can't tell. So it's not clear and obvious. They don't make the change. And this is now the current benefited from this. Don't get me wrong. I want the current to win, but San Diego fans should feel hard done. They were in first place coming into this game. They fell out of first place by losing this game. I think they probably should have won. They, they ended up pulling a goal back in the uh, second half, but it didn't matter because they couldn't get another goal. And, it, it, it like if you're a conspiracy theorist, uh, the, city, <laughs> the, 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 the retweets of my tweet of the thing is like the refs are out to get San Diego. And I was like, I don't know that that's the case, but they did a bad job. It was badly handled. I was also going to say that it lost my train of thought. Oh, man. Oh, man. I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We're, going, we're, we're doing great today, aren't we? Uh, okay, I'll talk more, then, <laughs> talk more and see if it comes back to you here. So, okay. um, like I mentioned, San Diego pulled back the goal. Uh, AD French, oh man, she played really well. She came up with a lot of good saves. She was just battling for balls in the box. I specifically remember that one play where she went down and she was kind of hurt making the save towards the goalpost. But the, a lot of moments where San Diego could have leveled the game out besides the potentially two blown penalty calls that they weren't given uh, and they weren't able to pull that off. Uh, another thing that I wanted to mention from the game is a nude signing from Brazil, Lauren. She made her NWSL slash Casey current debut subbed on for her Brazilian teammate, Dabinha. At one point, uh, the current had four center backs on the field at the same time as they were trying to close out the game and they did manage to close it out. Sheena, I talked for a bit. Did that trigger whatever you wanted to, your memory? (laughs) Sure didn't. Sure didn't. All right. I have a question for you then. So the current won this game. I, they, I don't think they should have won, but they did. And they're technically still alive because, you know, playoffs. But (laughs) it is like, it takes so long to be out. It's, It's just really compressed this year. That's why they're still alive. The teams are very close together in the NWSL from, kind of a couple of positions back to towards the bottom of the standings. But I had this thought going into the game, and I want to hear what you think about this, is I was kind of thinking, four games to go, the current should tank and try to get the number one draft pick. Now, in MLS, the number one draft pick, it doesn't mean anything. Sometimes you get a good player, sometimes you don't. But let me list off these players for you that have been the number one draft pick in the NWSL since its existence. Not going to lie, I don't know this first name. Zakia Bywaters is the first ever first overall pick. Then we go Crystal Dunn, Morgan Bryan, now known as Morgan Cottrell, Emily Sonnet, Rose Lavelle, Andy Sullivan, Tierna Davidson, Sophia Smith, Emily Fox, Naomi Germa, Alyssa Thompson. Literally to a T, everyone on the U.S. women's national team. Some of the, most of those players are still on the U.S. women's national team, even though those draft picks go back till 2014 when you're talking Crystal Dunn. What do you think, Sheena? Should they tank for whatever is the best college player. I don't even know who it is because I'm really bad and don't follow college soccer at all. I don't know. I don't think they'll tank because of the integrity of the players. I just can't imagine that they would do that. 
but there is some appeal kind of like in the NFL, like when you know you're bad, like you should just, you know, the fans want you to, to tank because then you get the number one draft pick. So I, I see the appeal to it. I don't feel confident there. The way they've played all season is very wishy-washy and you don't know which Casey current kind of like sporting. You don't know who's going to show up on the field every week. So because of that, I don't feel confident that even if they could win out and get a playoff position, I don't feel confident they would win at all. Like I, they're not playing that good. And I don't feel like it's all suddenly coming together like we've been waiting for all season. I think they really did luck out last night. And I don't know that that luck would continue. Yeah, if they make it into the playoffs, they are they'd be the hottest, one of the hottest teams in the league because they'd have to win four in a row and be perfect down the stretch. And you never know. Once you get in, you never know. But I do think they should tank. I know that's really bad and that you shouldn't want that in sports. But seeing how good these first overall picks are, these are like game-changing players. You got league MVPs in here. You, I mean, there is some real talent that comes through college soccer still. And I mean, Michelle Cooper looks really good and she's the second overall pick. And they had to give up Lynn Williams to get that pick. So you gave up one of your best players to get this player that you hope will be great in the future. And I think Cooper is trending in the right direction, but Mm -hmm. she hasn't blown the doors off. And Thompson, who was picked one spot ahead of her, looks a lot better than her right now. And she's younger and already on the full women's national team. So you're right. They won't do it. But it'd be kind of cool if they got the first pick. It'd be a nice consolation for a terrible freaking season. So We'll see how it plays out. Sheena, any other thoughts on the KC current game? I don't have any. Let's go crawling, y'all. Digital crawl time. So a few little bits here. Actually, speaking of the current, uh, Dabinia got a national team call-up as well as Stina Balasager for Denmark. Dabinia for Brazil, of course. They're called up. There is an international break this week in the NWSL. So the U.S. Women's National Team will be in action. Brazil and Denmark obviously will be in action. And they are hopping over there, so it shouldn't interfere with league play at all, them making their trips over. Uh, Kristen Hamilton and Dabinia made the all-tournament team for the Challenge Cup. Actually, Kristen Hamilton was the MVP of the entire Challenge Cup, even though they lost. I might have said that last week, but I put it in here anyways. And then (laughs) a big other Casey Current news. Speaking of Dabinia, three Dabinia stories in a row. She is a nominee for the Ballon d'Or for the best female football player in the world, which I feel like would be crazy if she won the Ballon d'Or because one, the current are, well, depending on the games, the Chicago Red Stars tonight, their results, they're one spot out of last, but they were in last. They could go right back to last. And Brazil, her national team, didn't even get out of the group stage of the World Cup. So while she is undoubtedly a fantastic player i feel like to be the best player in the world shouldn't you carry your team to something and neither of her teams has she carried to anything this year i agree with that it seems really that's a interesting pick because it feels like you would pick a player who's had an impact either on their national team or their regular club team. team club team yeah so regular team <laughs> well that's my casualness not knowing what to call them but yeah, club and, I, country, club and country. Yeah, I do agree. It is a little interesting that she would be a contender for that. Yeah, I think I think she will not win. But hey, that's that says something. The current have one of the best players in the world, and you know, it's just again more disappointment as to why they weren't better this year. Twenty twenty four, y'all, right? They're just holding back to open the new stadium and go win the title in twenty twenty four. That's what's going to happen. All right, one more Casey Current story in the in the crawl. Third string goalkeeper Jordan Silkowitz, who was a draft pick this year, second round pick too. You don't see goalkeepers picked in the second round. Uh, she got loaned out to the Brisbane Roar in Australia's A League. Uh, it's very common for NWSL players to go play in the A-League during the offseason because they don't really overlap with each other. Um, She'll be on loan, quote, at least through April 2024. So at least in the press release was interesting. Does that mean she might stay over there longer? I didn't really know what that was about. But I guess it depends on what's going on with Cassie Miller and A.D. French and if Sokowitz needs to come back and be the backup and not the third string keeper, probably. So maybe she stays over there a little longer. Who knows? Um, a little update on a story I told you all last week, Bruce arena. I mentioned he's out as the coach of the new England revolution. He had resigned partially due to 
complaints from one of his assistant assistant coaches, who was the interim coach, Richie Williams. Well, now Richie Williams is no longer the interim coach. A week later, and chaos has happened. We don't really know what's going on. It's a lot of, like, basically they're saying, oh, for privacy, it's under investigation, blah, blah, blah. Williams is not fired. He still works for the Revolution. They've given him time off, but they've made the Revolution two coaches, now the first team coaches, during the interim week here since we've talked. Interim, I use the word interim like coach. Um, <laughs> the uh, the coaches, the players rather, there was a report that they refused to practice after this whole thing went down. And it seemed like they were kind of coming out in support of Bruce Arena. And then a couple assistant coaches came out in support of Bruce Arena. And now they're gone. They're not on the team anymore. And then the players said, no, we didn't refuse to practice. The team and us agreed mutually for us not to practice. It seems like a mess over there, which is kind of wild because, like, they're the second seeded team in the Eastern Conference and they're just melting down right as the playoffs approach. And I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. Sometimes you get a new coach and you get a bump, but Bruce Arena seems to be a bit of a legend there. Any thoughts on Bruce, Sheena? No thoughts on him, but I do find it intriguing that they're so high because as you were talking about this, I was like, oh, I wonder if they're playing good like where they're seated so you're saying they're the second seed uh, they, for the Eastern. they fell to third i i should have updated third, okay. uh, my notes here yeah they lost yesterday to the colorado rapids what oh, the heck yikes. happened Did, um, i don't know if you saw it too at the colorado rapids game they uh the fans like the supporters the their cauldron i forget what they're called the 38 something or other the section 38 i can't remember anyways they organized a protest and they walked out of the stadium so they didn't even see colorado when they like put up these banners and their whole section of the stadium was empty no one was sitting there why what were they protesting the how terrible their team is and their owners oh. and everything so i don't know if you know the owner of the colorado rapids is stan Kroenke. he owns arsenal in the england english premier league and then he owns the la rams who he spent like two plus billion dollars on their stadium but he gives no money to the rapids they are like one of the lowest uh paid salaries of any team in the league they don't typically have true designated players they definitely don't go spend you know eight million bucks or whatever it was for alan Plito to come on a transfer fee so yeah they're they're fed up and you can hardly blame them because it would be a drop in the bucket for Kroenke to throw some money to the rapids direction he he spent more on one player for arsenal than he's probably spent on like five years of rapid salaries it's crazy oh my gosh that is crazy i did see on twitter like a statement the rapids um like pr had put out but I didn't know what it was in reference to. And they were talking about the fans. So this all now comes together for me. But yeah, the going back to the revolution, it seems like a hot mess over there. So hopefully they can f figure it out and still have maybe a playoff run. I still want to know what Bruce Arena said or did. And I wonder if that was ever released, if like that would calm the team down because at least last week I gathered nobody on the team knew what happened like what was said or what was done and that was kind of surprising to me that they wouldn't be in the loop in some regard you know yeah I, I feel still think they haven't really come out with what I mean they definitely haven't come out with what he said but the league supposedly confirmed whatever he said and they agreed it's you know bad enough for him to need to resign and then also on top of that um, he's got to apply for reinstatement if he wants to be a coach in the league again. So hmm, don't know, mm -hmm. but it could be worse. We could have weird drama like that going on in Kansas city with our teams. At least none of that's going on. So I don't that's know. True. Although, that said, I'd like to be in third place. So maybe <laughs> who knows? Um, all right, Sheena, your weekly messy update. I know you care. He did not travel with inter Miami this week. And what should have happened when sporting got to not play against a messy list team, uh, Atlanta crushed them five to two. So Miami has finally lost a game in the messy era. Uh, and Sporting had their chance and blew it. But hey, thanks, Atlanta. That feels weird to say because uh, I don't care for Atlanta. But I really need my guarantee of Miami not winning MLS Cup to come true. I don't need people throwing that back in my face. Last thing, I, the digital. Oh, you, you got a messy wait, thought? Why did you give a messy thought when Messi wasn't even in the game? Why is this now we talk about Messi every week? Really, a little bit to get at you because you hate it so much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, cool. um, it's. 
Dude, maybe that like somehow the spiders crawl through our podcast, pull out a transcript, <laughs> and bring people to listen to us because they're like, "Oh, he said that magical word, messy." Maybe they'll come. Oh listen. boy, I don't yeah, think they not. are. <laughs> All right, my last item in the crawl is a, a shout out to because this is a nepotism pod. Technically, this isn't a family member, but a friend. Uh, one of our friends, Mike, sent us a tweet this week saying uh, off season podcast content ideas uh one he said fifa slash eafc football uh tips and tricks i don't know how i'm gonna do video game tips and tricks on a podcast form but i like the idea wrestling <laughs> nicknames that didn't make the cut that seems fun mls hairstyles that one's clearly for you she ranked by the way she he needs you to rank them oh, uh, trade rumors trade rumors or whatever which i thought was fun <laughs> and then another sheena one uh boxer brief speculation so yeah maybe you oh. can speculate and then i can give you what i know from walking around the locker room. That's awkward. Oh, boy. Uh, the reason i bring this tweet up is because for one i thought it was funny shout out to mike and then yeah. two I need the rest of you to help come up with ideas. Obviously, we're going to talk about like who got cut, who we think should get cut, who's re-signed, what players should they sign, what rumors are going on, right? We're going to talk about the soccer stuff, but like, what else do you want to hear about? Well, you know, we, we can do some nonsense, but I think the podcast is just going to be shorter because there's going to be no games to discuss. Sheena, any other thoughts before I tell them the schedule for the week? No, but hey, Mike, hope you're doing well. Thanks for tweeting. <laughs> There you go. All right. Upcoming games. Like I mentioned, the KC Current have a break. Sporting KC have a double game week. So they'll play Nashville on Wednesday, uh, 7.30 p.m. right here in Children's Mercy Park. The U.S. Women's National Team will play the first of two friendlies against South Africa on Thursday, September 21st, 6.30 p.m. Central Time. Sporting back in action on Saturday against the Houston Dynamo, 7.30 Children's Mercy Park again. SKC2, we're about to play like right now, uh, but we're recording uh, against St. Louis City 2 next weekend. Ooh. Uh, Sunday, September 24th, 4 p.m., Swope Soccer Village, their last home game. Actually, it's their last game of the season. It's decision day. So that's a big one. I might That might be actually a fun environment to go watch a game in. And then finally, the U.S. Women's National Team, again, will play South Africa on Sunday, the 24th at 4.30. So... If you've made it this far, hey, we creeped over an hour again because that's what we do around here. <laughs> if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, please do that. Tell your Kansas City soccer friends. I think we're having some fun over here. If you've got suggestions to make it better, you can rate and review the podcast over at Apple Podcasts, or you can just give us a rating, hopefully five stars. If it's not five stars, just tweet at me, play for 90. Give me some uh, critical feedback. I can handle it. I can take it. Um, but you can follow the rest of our social media at For the Glory KC on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, threads. You can email us if you have longer thoughts that won't fit in the tweet, ForTheGloryKC at gmail.com. And here's Christian Leo to play us out with Write It Like You Mean It. Take care, everybody. Bye.